All right, chance encounters. How many of you believe in chance encounters? No. Why not? Oh, chance encounters. Not coincidences, too. Okay. Well, you know, our whole society talks about chance and, uh, and, and fate and accidental encounters and all of those things. And I, I picked this particular title because a week and a half ago I had an encounter which... By some standards, some people would call a chance encounter, but we would call it a God encounter. But I had a doctor's appointment with a specialist because I had a thing on my face that a different doctor said you probably should have checked out. You know, when a doctor tells you to go see a specialist, there's a little bit of an undercurrent of anxiety, right? Especially when he says the margins of that don't look real clear to me, and I think you should go see a specialist. You know, and it takes three months to get into a specialist. So there's this underlying battle that sort of goes in the back of your mind about what if, right? Even when you're walking in grace and you have this trust in God, every once in a while you slip into a little bit of anxiety. That doesn't mean you don't trust God. It doesn't mean that you're not walking in grace. It just means it's the reality of life. We don't deny reality of life, but we deny the right to that reality to control us because Jesus gives us grace. And so as I was encountering this doctor, Carol went with me to this appointment. I'd never met this doctor before. And, you know, and of course, you fill out the paperwork in advance. And I put down pastor or lawyer pastor on my paperwork. And so he looks at me and he goes, that's an unusual combination. <laughs> And as we were chatting, he was really quite friendly. And, and just out of the blue, he, he says, so what do you think about marriage? And, you know, and I'm, I'm like totally in this medical zone, not thinking about anything else, right? <laughs> and, and so I immediately go, well, I think it's great. <laughs> Thinking he's going to move on, right? So then he starts, and then a little later, he starts asking about, well, would you marry a gay couple? And, you know, I'm still thinking about this. I'm here for medical, right? I'm not here about theology. I'm not here about uh, the practical side of the application of theology. And, and I said, well, my bylaws don't permit it, so no. And then she pipes up and says, yeah, but he wrote the bylaws. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, that was the last thing on my mind was to have a theological discussion. I just wanted to know what was wrong, and I wanted to know what could be done, and I wanted to get out. Well, it turns out, you know, there was nothing serious, and I didn't have to go back. So I left, and I went, <sighs> not thinking about the question, not thinking about God in the midst of that moment. And the next morning, I woke up, and the Holy Spirit started talking to me about, you missed an opportunity. And I went, what do you mean? Well, some, he says, some people would call that a chance encounter, but I called it my appointment. And I went, oh. So it, it started a whole progression of thoughts in, a, in, in dialogue with the Holy Spirit that went something like this. As I pondered the encounter and conversation with the Holy Spirit, I realized that I missed an opportunity to share God's heart with another person. By using a stock answer, 
I avoided an in-depth discussion about a matter that is controversial at the expense of not sharing God's heart to someone who was asking a question of significance to them. Why else would have he asked the question? I don't think he was there to pick a fight. It was his office, so he didn't really need to pick a fight. And out of the realization came an internal discussion with the Holy Spirit about the fact that life is full of unexpected encounters, often called by most as chance meetings, orchestrated by the master conductor to provide opportunities to share his heart of love and his interrelated love song of truth in life. Truth be told, I wrote it. This is a blog that's over here and I'm going to post on our website. Truth be told, I missed an opportunity to explain his heart on the issue raised. And that realization prompted me to consider how many times in the busyness or emotion of the moment have I failed to discern that God had orchestrated a seemingly chance encounter and missed the opportunity to share his great grace and love. To a large degree, this was a sobering realization. Not in a condemning way, but realizing that as he's been stirring in my heart the last couple of months, that it, you cannot keep this message internal. The message of grace is the grace is the message of freedom for all of humanity. And if we don't begin to expect opportunities to share it, expect encounters to release it, we are ultimately going to shrivel in our own self because the message is not designed solely for internal consumption. It's designed to share. Because Jesus always shared the Father wherever he went. And so I'm sitting there dialoguing. I mean, this is, a, this is like a 10-day conversation that's just running with God. And you know, you ever get into one of those 10-day conversations or extended conversations with God? You go, well, what about this? What about that? He goes, I didn't ask you that. <laughs> But I'll tell you the answer. And so we were just going back and forth. And I, and I came to this place and conclusion of, of realizing that, you know, I talk intentionality of, in relationship with God a lot. And if we're going to be intentional in our relationship with God, we have to be intentional and expect every single person we meet to be a potential encounter. Now, that doesn't mean God wants us to talk to every single person because it may not be the right time yet to share the message of grace or to share an aspect of his heart of love. But he wants us to be ready. Well, then that begs the question, be ready to share what? If it's about the message of grace, then we have to know what that message is. And we have to know what it means. And we have to know what it means for us before we can share it with others. And, you know, Greg and I have dialogued a lot of late that it's not a message that you can get just on a Saturday night. You can't come and listen to a 40 or 45 minute message and expect to work out how it applies to you, let alone share it with someone else. It's a constant digging into the heart of the Father. And God does that in different ways with each of us. Sometimes he does it, some people it's dedicated study of the word. But if they do that as their only method, that becomes legalistic, and then therefore they end up losing continuity and contact. But some people are inspired to stay in the Word. Some people are inspired to listen to videos of other grace teachers. Some people are inspired to spend extensive time in worship. Some are inspired to do different things at different times. But it has to be a steady diet. 
or else we miss aspects of it. Because we're in this ever unfolding revelation of grace and love. Even after we physically pass from this earth, there will be an eternity, an ever-increasing revelation of God. And what better way then to prepare for that moment than to start seeking the ever-increasing revelation now? And I even wrote, I even went on to write, the more I pondered the encounter and the promptings of, promptings of the Holy Spirit that followed, I realized that God intends to, and in fact does send people into our lives. You can hide, but he's going to send people anyway. And he puts them in our paths so that we can explain to those who are sincerely seeking truth and wisdom what God says about matters of importance to that person who's seeking. No one's going to come to you and ask you a question for the sake of just asking a question. That's usually prompted by something going on inside of them. Even if they want to just pick a fight with you, there's still something prompting them to get out there so that you can speak truth. And the more I meditated on all of this, the more I realized that God was preparing many people to come this year who will be asking genuine questions and expecting authentic heart-held responses. If you don't understand how grace works in the context of Jesus, how, how he's done it, I mean, let's just get real as a refresher. Jesus went to the cross, and in his mercy and grace, he took it all. He took all the sin for all time. Once and for all. He only has to die one time. And he did it. So if you commit a sinful act tomorrow, he's not going to the cross for you tomorrow night. It's already done. Now, doesn't mean there isn't a natural consequence to a choice. But it means between us and God, that is a resolved issue. Because it was resolved when he went to the cross. That's freedom. He doesn't expect us to be perfect. He knows we're going to make mistakes. He knows there are rivers of love that are going to come into the midst of our mistakes and help us deal with it. But it doesn't change our position. And how many people are longing to know a God who doesn't judge them every moment of every day? I can't imagine walking under Allah. Because at any given moment, Allah is this cruel, inhuman God who has no love and joy to share. And as we talked about Thursday night in our book study, he's not a creative God. He doesn't have a begotten son. He's just this angry, demanding God that, my gosh, you have to do this, 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 this. Hopefully you get 72 virgins, but maybe not. I don't know about you guys, but that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I have enough time handling pressure. <laughs> I can't handle that pressure. And God doesn't call us to handle that pressure. He calls us to just be authentic, to be us, to be real. And I'm telling you, I, I, you know, the Lord and I had this real dialogue about missing the opportunity with that doctor because he was searching. And so as part of this process of, of walking out grace, we have to come to the place of expectation that he's going to send people to us. And it may not be in this building. It may be on a car lot in South Bend, Indiana, if weather permits. It, it, it may be downtown Grand Rapids at a restaurant. It may be at a hockey game at the Van Andel Arena. I don't know. But 
wherever we go, there should be this part of us that goes, oh, who am I going to encounter today, Lord? Who, do you, who are you putting in my path today? What would you like me to say? Always realizing that what we're going to say is about grace, about Jesus, and about this unending love that he has for us. And as we know that as we share love with people, the love of God with people, hearts change towards God. And as hearts change towards God, and this grace unfolds in our lives, and in their lives we see behaviors just naturally change. You know, behavior modification programs are the work of man, not God. Because it's effortless change when you step into a heart of love. That's what grace is all about. And so... All of this I I say to us tonight because part of this whole concept of grace is expect encounters. And God's taking us to that place in this season. I think 2017 is all about encounters. Now, there'll be some encounters with angels. Remember that? God talks about entertain strangers because they might be an angel. But every single person that we encounter, we know from our studies, bears the image and likeness of God. And that Christ, when he destroyed the work of Adam, tore asunder the veil from image and likeness. Genesis 1 was was recaptured into the truth of the mind of man. It was never lost from the mind of God, but it was recaptured into the truth of man. And yet man just has a hard time accepting it. Because we still want to think like Adam. We want to eat out of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil instead of the fruit of the tree of life. And when you're eating out of the fruit of the tree of life, what are we eating? We're eating the fullness of Jesus. His blood. His body. The fullness of life. Every time, every day, every moment flows in us. His mercies are new every morning. And so... All of this prompted me to go back and look at a couple of scriptures that I wanted to kind of go over with you tonight. 1 Peter 3.15 But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, God doesn't fill us up with him with the idea that we save it all for us. One of the reasons... He talks about not forsaking the fellowship of believers is because we can share hearts. We can share his grace. We can share his love so that we don't get pulled off of focus by the world. And so he says to you, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer. That's the King James Version. Look at it from the New Living Translation. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. Well, how many of you want to explain the law to someone? Brother John, if you just get on your knees and say ten Hail Marys, God would smile on you today. But make sure you get on your knees. Because we don't want soft knees. We want these calloused knees. Sister Donna, you know... If you would just sing more often, God would give you the desires of your heart. But you got to do it before he does. That's the old covenant, right? That's you do, he does. 
But in the new covenant, he's done it all. You don't have to. And so to, to be ready to explain it is to explain that it's already done. And our only response is to believe. It's totally, completely done. Let's look at it from another translation, English Standard. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy. Always being prepared to make a defense. Now, I, I don't like the word or the phrase make a defense. I like to, to think of it more as releasing life. To anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. That ought to tell you that don't go the way of the Westboro Baptist Church. <laughs> Showing up at funerals and castigating people who are dead in their families because of the way they think we're supposed to live by the law. I don't know about you, but if I ever hear anybody pulling a Westboro, we're going to have a sit-down time. We're going to have a long talk. In the Darby translation, but sanctify the Lord, the Christ in your hearts and be always prepared to give an answer to everyone that asks you to give an account of the hope that is in you, but with meekness and fear. Meekness, gentleness, fear. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance, right? It's the kindness of God that changes people's hearts. The minute you start going in someone's face, what is the normal reaction? Well, who died and made you God? Who do you think you are to tell me? You're not going to break through in this day and age, in this culture, with evangelism that says, if you die tonight, to be in heaven? People don't want to hear that. They want to hear that God is loving and kind. And when they begin to perceive the goodness of that loving and kind God, he goes and changes things in their heart, and they just change naturally. But the minute you go, Linda, I saw that. You better repent right now. You're dead if you don't. Linda's going to go, I'm out of here. Because she's been walking this road of grace long enough to know that ain't God. So I, I went back and I took a look at some of this. I wanted to look at the word sanctify. It's, it's the Greek word hagiazo, to render or, or acknowledge. We're called to render or acknowledge God. Not the law, but God himself. And, we're, and, and in terms of our hearts, there's many aspects of the word hearts that comes out of cardia, but it's the center of all physical and spiritual life. We acknowledge God in everything. Greg and I talked about, we might revisit some Watchman Nee stuff here soon. One of the things Watchman Nee talks about is to reckon unto us what God has said. Reckon being an accounting term, to put it in our ledger. In the center of all physical and spiritual life, to acknowledge God in the center. To give an answer. That's where we get the word apologetics from, because it's the Greek word apologia. Verbal defense, speech and defense, a reasoned statement or, or argument that's not spelled wrong. That's the English version, not the, Eng not the Americanized English version, okay? But we are called to give a verbal reference, a verbal statement, a verbal assessment of what we hope for. What are, what's our hope in? And the, and the Greek word for hope is ephesus, expectation of good, hope, joyful and confident expectation of salvation, 
Salvation being the word sozo, which is all-encompassing. And so we're called to give, when someone asks a question, an assessment, a reasoned response of our salvation, of our joy, of our hope. And if you remember from the word grace, charis, it's joy, it's hope, it's confidence. It's just another derivative of of charis. So when when someone calls up and says, or comes to us and says, why are you so happy? Because I got the joy of the Lord. No, really, why are you happy? Because God's the center of my life. And I'm very happy because of it. Everything comes back to that fullness of grace. And so I wanted to paraphrase what all of those verses and what I just said. And if I paraphrase it, I would do it this way. We acknowledge God in the very center of all physical and spiritual life. And we, be, we are ready at all times or at any moment to give a reason, gentle and confident response to any person who might ask you the reason for your joy and hope and great expectation for the truth of eternal salvation. Now, remember, we spent six, seven weeks talking about eternal life. What's eternal life? Knowing God and the Son whom He sent. Wow, that's eternal life. You mean I don't have to go out and hand out 50 tracts today? Nope. I don't have to go out and make sure that I account for one-tenth of my income to give it to God so that God will smile. No. Eternal life is knowing God. Salvation is eternal life. And so I give a reason for my great joy and my great expectation. It's because I know God. And there are people who are going to go tilt when you do that. But you know what? It's in that moment of going tilt that the Holy Spirit's going deep into them. Because the minute you give something like that, it's going into them. And it's going into them in that place already reserved in their heart by by the work of Christ, because Christ is already there. They just don't know it. But it starts to breathe life. And what's, what's the joy? What's the joy for us? It's the awareness of God. It's the awareness that it's already done. It's the awareness that in His grace it's finished. It is finished. So positionally, we're secure. Now, I'm going to mess up walking it out, but you know what? He's not standing there with a lightning bolt like I thought when I was growing up, waiting for me to mess up. He's going, oh, Terry, it's okay. Let's talk about this. Like when I missed it with the doctor. You know, did he come to me and go, you stupid idiot, why did you not speak when I asked the question? It's a good thing we bought Advil tonight. (laughs) No, he goes, Terry, let's just talk about this. Let's replay this. And I replayed it and he went, see, this was the opportunity. See, God gives us an opportunity to redeem those missed moments. Is this making any sense? You see, we possess this enormous amount of truth in us because God is here. Our spirit knows everything pertaining to life and godliness. It's already in us. And the more we spend time focused on God and not on the things of the world that distract us, the more that truth becomes a reality in our life. So looking at that, I want to go to this next one. See, Romans 2, 4 says, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience 
patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. I've been, I've spent too many years in churches where God's kindness was downplayed and the law was exalted. And by gosh, you better conform your behavior to our expectations. Because if you don't, there's a consequence. There were many pastors who were happy I left churches. (laughs) Because because this means something to me. This means you don't beat the sheep. It means you don't place expectations and demands that are not from God. Because that's legalism. And I can't go there anymore. I mean, it's like fingers on the chalkboard now. I can't watch Channel 54 because it's all about fingers on the chalkboard for me. I can't do it because it's all about you do this, God will do that. You do this, God will do that. No, that's done. That's over. That's finished. Jesus said so. Take a look at this verse. This is a whole series of verses out of Timothy. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Paul did not tell Timothy to be strong in the law. He said, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Whose grace? Jesus. So he's telling us, he's exalting us and exhorting us, be strong in grace. Be strong in Christ. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He's encouraging Timothy to share grace with others so they can share it with others. And that's what Greg and I have been trying to do, is share aspects of grace that stimulate you so that you can share them with others and that they in turn will share them with others. That's how the known world changed after the crucifixion is because they were all busy sharing grace. That's what changed the world. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. What's he saying? Don't get bogged down in the details of life. Don't deal with the fear of man, which Greg talked about. We're, we're, we're not called to please men. We're called to live grace and in relationship with the grace, Jesus. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. What does that tell you? Think about that. Can a farmer sell his product if he hasn't first partaken in it to make sure it's okay? Not really. Because if he does, if he doesn't test it and sells trash, ain't nobody going to come back the next year. Jesus is telling us through Paul, taste the grace, then share it. Experience grace, then share it. Verse 7, consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Paul expected the Lord to give us understanding. Verse 8, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. We've talked about before when we did the Galatian study last year, Paul called the gospel my gospel, and his entire gospel message was the gospel of grace. He is the most anti law apostle out there. 
we can see in Peter's writings that there was a time when Peter was had to progress through to get to the place of the fullness of grace because he was, you know, Peter wasn't educated like Paul. And so, but there were things that Peter was taught that, as we all are taught. If you do this, you get that. Oh, you got to excel here so that you can reach the pinnacle of life and career over here. Paul says no to that. Paul says, my gospel, which is a free gift, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer. Paul was called an evildoer. Paul was stoned. How many times? Several. Paul was arrested, shipwrecked, bitten by snakes in foreign territories. All of those things because he was labeled an evildoer by the normal culture. You're countercultural, guys. All of you are supposed to be countercultural. If you find yourself following the culture, you need to take a step back. Because we're not, we're not to follow it, we're to engage it, but not follow it. But every, how many of you know when you, follow, when you engage the culture, sometimes you get slimed? Right? So what do you do? You come, you come to church and you get a shower. You spend time in your home worshiping and you take a shower. Because Jesus likes to wash the world away from us. Okay, let's see. Where was I? Even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. Hallelujah. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. And I highlighted that. Who's the elect? Since the cross, who's the elect? Everyone. All of us. Every single person born is the elect. They just don't all know it. Does that mean they're all going to be in heaven? Not unless they believe. But Jesus leveled the playing field for all of humanity at the cross. He broke the chains caused by Adam's choice. That's what grace is all about. It's reestablishing us in the original position with God. So if I go out and I look at the person on the corner who's cut me off and think they're not the elect of God... I'm not being very graceful, am I? I found myself at Staples tonight picking up a device. And, you know, there's one cashier for lots of people in line, and I was not the first one. And I'm like, and God's going, how graceful is that? (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Sometimes he, sometimes he really gets, he gets in my face sometimes. Duh. Oh, let me back up. That they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ. So let's back up. The sake of the elect who have not yet obtained salvation. There are people who have not yet obtained salvation that are part of the elect. So we need to adjust our attitude. We need to adjust our outlook, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Remind them of these things. What are these things? It's all the things that he was telling Timothy throughout the chapter and in other parts of, the, of Scripture about grace. Charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to pre- present yourself for proof to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. 
And I, I highlighted not just drive about words because he also picks it up again a little bit later in the same in the same chapter. We spend too much time debating rather than being. I really don't care when the rapture's coming, guys. It doesn't matter to me. It's coming and I can't stop it, so why should I care when it comes? Right? So it doesn't matter if I'm here or not here. If I'm taken out in the in the first trimester of it or the second trimester or the third trimester it doesn't matter when I'm taken out because it doesn't affect how I live now and it cannot affect how I live now if it affects how I live now then I got a problem and there are just hundreds of thousands of people that all they want to do is debate the rapture how much energy is being wasted when they can be out sharing with the elect who are in need of salvation right or Let's debate, hmm, let's see, what could we debate? Hmm, when does the Holy Spirit come to our life? And is speaking in tongues of the devil or the Holy Spirit? I don't care. Doesn't matter. I'm going to talk to you about grace. I'm going to talk to you about Jesus. And if you want to debate me, I still remember back when we were doing training in the healing rooms, that guy that came from from a, a local church and came, and all he wanted to do the first Friday night was argue about is healing for today. Signed up for a day and a half, two-day training. And all he wanted to do was argue. And I finally said to him after the first hour, I said, you know, my job isn't to convince you of anything. My job is to convey information. Take it back to God. And he shut up. Our job is to convey information as the Holy Spirit prompts us. And to live a life consistent with what he's taught us. Because authenticity is being true to what you know. Being true to what you've been taught. Being authentic means I believe and I live what I believe. And so God is calling us to live a life of grace and share that grace with others. All right. <clears throat> Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord, not to strive for words to, to no profit, f- to the ruin of the hearers. You see, when you get into, bait, into debates and you strive in argument, people turn off. And that's not what we're called to do. Let's go on to verse well, let's go back a minute to the bottom of 15. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's not, not something that we've spent a lot of time talking about other than we've talked about the current covenant that we are in with God is a covenant of grace. It's a unilateral covenant, which is a covenant of God does it all. We just believe. So rightly dividing the word of truth means we have, to, we have to filter everything through that covenant. That whole, all of scripture for us is filtered through the covenant of grace. And if you actually go back and what I'm doing in one of my classes in my seminary program right now is I'm going back doing an Old Testament survey and you'd be surprised how much grace there is in the Old Testament. There's tons of it, a whole thing. But shun profane and idle babblings. That doesn't mean you don't speak in tongues. What it does mean is you don't get into idle disputes that have no profit, for they will increase to more ungodliness. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. 
If God perhaps will grant them repentance, metanoia, changing the mind, as we've, as we've discovered here, not necessarily the behavior, because if the mind changes, behavior follows, so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. In humility, in gentleness, in kindness, we speak the message of grace. You see, God is calling us in this season to share grace, to be ready on a moment's notice to share grace and truth. And what I want to do next week is talk about some truths in the light of the contextual situation of our culture right now. I want to talk about how do we deal with the question of homosexuality? How do we deal with the question of abortion so that when people come to us and say, well, how do you believe that or why do you believe that? We have an answer. Because it will always come back to Jesus. But I think it's important to begin introducing for 2017 the concept of, th- of thinking these things through. So that if someone comes to you with something that's, that you just have an intuitive sense of truth, but you're not quite sure why, I want to give you some tools to help think that through so that you can share. And you know it's okay when someone's asked ask you questions and say, you know, let me think about that. I need to get back to you on that. But don't blow them off. If you tell them you're going to get back to them, get back to them. Because they're asking for a reason. And if you ignore them and blow them off, then you're going to be just another one of those hypocritical Christians. And that's not what they're looking for. So, I want you guys to leave here tonight going, this message of grace is is mine. Just like Paul said. My gospel. And be prepared to have the Holy Spirit go home and start asking the Holy Spirit, how do I share my gospel? Now, it's my gospel, not in the sense of I get to change it, but it's my gospel in the sense of what Paul has always taught in his, in his writings. You, if you ask, he will share. It's kind of the paraphrase of if you build it, he will come. If you ask, he will share. Okay? And he will do that. Amen? Amen. All right, Father, we thank you for this, for this laying of a foundation to begin to share truth. We thank you that you are the God of goodness and grace. And God, I just, again, I speak to everyone here. You are not junk. You've never been junk. No mistake that you have thought in your mind has ever derailed you from Christ or can ever derail you from Christ. You are sealed in him. The question is, do you believe? And if the answer is yes, then there is nothing he isn't going to do to move things around in your life to bring you to the fullness of that truth. So be blessed. You are the sons of God, and you are not the weakest link in the kingdom. Amen?